Well, good morning. Uh, I just want to reemphasize that because life groups matter so much around here. We say that they're the backbone of our church because we all need community. We just, we just do. So if you have participated in Rooted, but, but perhaps the group didn't stick for whatever reason, or it did, but it just wasn't quite a fit for you, uh, out on the patio today, you can get plugged into a group, and we would love to help you do that. Don't give up on the whole group thing. You didn't give up on dating because you went on a bad date right? So, so keep meeting people, keep connecting with people, keep trying this group experience because life is just better together. That's one of the things that we firmly, firmly believe around here. If you found a perfect group, don't join it because you'd mess it all up. Uh, there's, there's just no perfect group because we're not perfect, but it's worth it. So on your way out of here, if you're not in a life group, get connected. Okay, uh, last week, we talked about this idea of happiness and what it means to be truly happy. We read these two verses. I'm going to read them to you again. This is from Romans chapter 5. It says, By faith we have been made acceptable to God, and now because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. Christ has also introduced us to God's undeserved kindness on which we take our stand. So we are happy as we look forward to sharing in God's in the glory of God. We said that happiness is about a who, not a what. That no thing will ever make you happy. If you missed this message from last week, listen to it online, subscribe to the podcast, email the link to someone else. We said that peace with God paves the way to peace with others and peace with self. And today we're going to pick up where we left off We mentioned this one verse when Jesus taught his followers how to pray. You've heard this even if you've never been in church before. You've heard this famous prayer called the Lord's Prayer. One of the lines is, Jesus says to pray to God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Strange thing, right? Your kingdom come here like it already is there beyond what we can see. But but that's not our experience, is it? I mean, there's still really hard things here. This world that you would look around and say it's kind of a mess. Life doesn't go the way we want and anticipate. This isn't the this isn't certainly can't be the fullness of what God's kingdom is supposed to feel like on earth. And so we move to the next verses in the Romans chapter. But that's not all, Paul says. We gladly suffer. What? Who gladly suffers? What does that even mean? We gladly suffer because we know that suffering helps us to endure. And endurance produces character, which gives us a hope that will never disappoint us. All of this happens because God has given us the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts with His love. According to Paul, you can suffer and be happy. That's that's kind of crazy in our world that we live in, right? Paul is writing this letter of Romans to a place, an actual place called Rome, to actual people trying to follow Jesus in this place called Rome. When he is writing it, uh, there are a lot of Jewish people that have decided to follow Jesus, and now there are a lot of Romans that are wanting to follow Jesus, and there's confusion amongst them about what it means to follow Jesus. Do we have to first be Jews? Do we have to go through all the hoops and the hurdles and the jumps 
and the special prayers and are there beads or are there candles? And are there, do we have to do all this kind of stuff to follow Jesus? Because it's confusing. I, I, I didn't know that it was about that. And so Paul is writing a letter, this famous book of this letter called Romans saying, here's what you need to know. This is, this is the gist of it. It's not all the religiousness. Here's what you need to know. That's the letter of Romans. And he says this crazy line, we gladly suffer because we know that suffering helps us to endure. And endurance builds character, which gives hope. So endurance builds character, which gives hope. We're going to explore that a little bit. If you have your outline, you can grab it now. We're going to talk about hope this morning. And there's five simple fill-ins that are going to kind of help us on the journey. But first, let's just, this idea of endurance leading to character, which leads to hope, is kind of annoying, isn't it? Because someone else has told you before uh, that whatever you're going through builds character and it made you mad. You're like, I don't want you to tell me that this is building character. That's not what I want to hear. I don't want to go through this thing anymore. That's kind of the point is I don't want this character building exercise. I'll pass if at all possible. I remember when I was a kid, like 14, I was going to high school and my acne just broke out. It was so devastating. It was embarrassing. It was like all in here and it was not good. And my mom took me, she had like a little bit of compassion for me. She took me to the, uh, the dermatologist and they prescribed this medicine that you have to keep in the refrigerator. It's like, it's like so potent that it has to be refrigerated all the time. And so I went into this like waxy thing and I put it on my face and it left these like streaks, like chalky streaks on my face. And my dad was like, no, 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 it's okay. Just persevere, endure. It's character building. (laughs) Forget character building. I don't want to have acne and white streaks on my face. The only character that's being built is Scarface right now. That's the (laughs) character that's developing. But you know what that's like. You know what it is. You're going through hard times. Maybe people that you love are going through hard times, and you're just like, yeah, maybe you don't even want to say it because it seems too trite. Endure. It's going to build character. You know, have hope. Cling to hope. I know for a fact that there's people in our church going through really difficult things. You're trying to endure in the midst of great pain and difficulty, maybe personally, and it just it hits home for you. Maybe it's your close relative, friend, family member, and so you're taking that pain upon yourself. There is a young man in our church named David who I went to see this week because he was in a terrible car accident. He was driving through an intersection, got T-boned, and the car hit his passenger side door, completely caved in on him. It was going 60 miles an hour, broke his pelvis, all his ribs on the right side, and his jaw, and two of his ribs punctured his lung. And it was not looking good for him for the first number of days, up to a week or something. It was, it was touch and go. They weren't sure he was going to make it, but his mom held out hope. And David told me later that he held out hope. I got to visit him this week, and I walked in, and he was laying on the bed sleeping, and I, I tapped on the door. I had little Jackaroo, my, my two-and-a-half-year-old, with me. He was only wearing Green Lantern underwear, but don't worry about that. It was besides the point. It was, it was one of those days. Uh, and so I walked in there with Jack, and, and I tapped on the door, and David got out of his bed. This is just a few days ago, uh, like nine days after the accident. As if I was 
somebody. I, I, I was like, David, lay down. You have a broken pelvis, all your ribs on this side, and your jaw. You just had massive surgery on your jaw. And he forced himself to get up so that he could give me a hug. Craziness. And then he went on to tell me about how he was laying there on the asphalt and just like choosing to hope and choosing to trust that God's power could get him through. And he, he said, like, I can feel, I know the feeling of what it would be like to just give up. Like, I was, I was right there, and I just forced myself to keep my eyes open and to keep believing and to keep having hope and persevering. And he is, he is persevering. Others of us, we have friends that are going through difficult times with with their young children that are sick or hospitalized, or maybe some of you have kids that have just kind of gone crazy off the deep end or you don't talk to them anymore. There's difficult things going on in our lives and in our marriages and in our businesses right now. And the women and men that Paul is writing to in Rome, they're suffering a great deal themselves. They're receiving pressure from all sides because they're trying to follow this Jesus and they're trying to to orient their lives toward him and and kind of claim the hope that they have in him and yet there's confusion. And the Jewish people are saying, you got to do it the Jewish way. And then the Roman people are saying it's all just ridiculous. And and they're taxing them at some absurd percentage, over 50%. And it's just, uh, it's oppressive. And they don't know kind of where this goes or how this plays out. And some of them are struggling with hopelessness. And why should I even keep going in this direction if it's going to be this hard? Why don't I just do what everybody else is doing? Why don't I just give up? Why do I have to endure? Why do I have to play this game? The opposite of endurance is to give up, right? or to give in. You can give up and go away, or you can give in and just conform and do it their way. But Paul says to them, hang in there, endure, persevere. It's going to lead to character developing inside of you. It's going to lead to a better future. About nine or ten years ago now, uh, I went through a divorce. And it was my lowest point of my life where I was just like, I don't want to endure. I don't want to persevere. This is not the way my life was supposed to go. This is not the way I drew it up. This shouldn't have happened to me. And I got pressure from both sides too. I got pressure from a religious side that was condemning of me and that said, oh, you screwed this up. And I'm like, obviously, yeah, this is screwed up. Yeah, well, you know, it's a shame on you kind of thing and we're not going to be friends anymore. And I, I got that judgmental side. And then I got the other side as well that was like, you're single, let's go, come on, let's party, let's do this thing. It's been, you know, whatever, come with us, we're going to go out and we're going to go. And there was pressure from both sides and part of me wanted to just cash it in. Part of me wanted to just go and say, forget this. I tried to live like this good moral life for the most part and this is how it plays out. I have to go through this pain. I have to go through this disappointment and I and there was a big part of me. You've been there if you've ever gone through really difficult things. There's a big part of you that just wants to say, I'm going to do things my way. I want to I want to do things the way I want to do them. Hi guys. I'll move this. I'll move this out of the way. This is kind of the splash zone, so I'll try to not 
projectile. Um, but we're glad that you're here. <clears throat> I want to do things my way. I, I, I don't want to do the religious kind of routine anymore if it doesn't get me anywhere but hurt, right? I know that a lot of you have been there. And, and so I, I kept coming back to this one idea, though. When Jesus had a bunch of his followers leave him because it was getting too hard and he wasn't fixing their lives in the world fast enough like they thought he should, and a bunch of them left, and Jesus looks at his closest friends, one in particular, and he says, what about you? Are you going to leave too? Are you just going to go back to the life that you knew? Are you just going to go party in Vegas with the guys? Are you just going to, are you just going to cash it in and say, this doesn't work for me? I'm going to just pursue whatever I think will make me happy, even if it's just fleeting. I'm just going to go. And one of the guys looks back at him, and he says this famous line. He says, where else would I go? You have the words of life. And that's the way I felt. Like, I could, I could try to justify myself to the religious people who were judging me, or I could just go party and just live that life because I was upset about my circumstances. But at the end of the day, I know where those roads lead, and it's nowhere good. It's nowhere that's going to really satisfy me. It feels good for a few moments over here, but it doesn't work out well. It never does. Where else would I go? You have the words of life. There's something different about you, Jesus. I, I don't know where else I would go. That's what his disciple and his closest friends decided. But the other disciples that left, they, they were confused about this basic reality that maybe confuses you. And that's that we believe that the essence of hope is better. The essence of hope is better. Like it should get better. Life should get better. My marriage should get better. My business should get better. The situation, the circumstance, there must be something better than this. And so just our natural tendency is to put our hope in better. There's got to be a better somewhere out there. And then hope dies. That we come to the end of hope when, it, when we experience some kind of death of better. So the end of hope is death. Because you know what it is to hope that your business is going to turn around until you shut it down. And then you don't hope for better anymore because it's done. You know what it is to hope that your marriage improves until you get a divorce. And then you don't hope for better anymore because the marriage is done. Right? You, you, you know what it is to hope for better up until a point. And that point is the death of the thing or the person that you were praying for, that God would heal them. And he doesn't. And they pass away. And so you stop hoping, obviously. Because death is the finality of better. And a lot of us have logical minds and we play this out and we extrapolate this thought and we, and we think to ourselves, so if everything ultimately ends up dead, why hope? And there are some people sitting around you right now that are struggling with hope. They're struggling to hope. Maybe there's a few of you that have come here this morning as like a last-ditch effort, like a last glimmer of hope. Like maybe, maybe there's something that God would have for me. Maybe there's something that he would say to me that would give me hope to keep on going, to keep on believing, to keep having faith because I'm struggling so bad to have hope because it seems like I'm constantly disappointed. 
and everything I'm hoping for dies, some kind of a death. And that was the same experience that Jesus' disciples had because they put their hope in him until he died. And then they didn't know what to do anymore because in their practical, rational minds like ours, death is the end of hope. And they had, they had hoped that Jesus would be the one to fix this broken world, that they wouldn't have to be hurt anymore and sad about all their loved ones dying and oppressed by this Roman rule, getting taxed like crazy in this turmoil of this faith, this faith, these competing things, these guys fighting. It's all just the, the conflict in the family. They were like, Jesus, you're supposed to fix this. We watched you do all these amazing miracles. There's no one that's ever been like you. And then he's dead. And just a couple of days after Jesus died, his disciples, a couple of them, were walking along, and this strange man approaches them and starts asking them questions. So uh, how are things? You know, how, did you watch the games yesterday? How, how did your team do? It's just kind of a, a little bit of small talk, and they're like, dude, you don't know what's been going on here? Like the one that we believed was the king of kings, the, the Messiah, the Savior, he was alive doing all these cool miracles, and we were like on the inside on his A-team, but now he's dead. Doesn't ring a bell? And Jesus asks him a little bit more, and so he says, so the, the disciple says to this strange man, this Jesus guy was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief, the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him on a big cross. But we had hoped he was the one. But we had hoped. After everything we'd seen, after what we'd experienced, we had hoped he would be different, that he would be the answer. He would be the change agent. We had hoped, but we've stopped because death is the end of hope. The disciples, they were, they were really intrigued by this strange man who kept quizzing them. And so they were like, dude, you, you want to hang out? We're going to go get some dinner. And, and just, you seem like you're just kind of wandering. So why don't you just come and have dinner with us? And so the strange man joined them for dinner and he sat down at the table. And then it, the scripture says that he was at the table with them. And then he took bread and gave thanks. And he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It was Jesus in their midst. He disappeared from their sight, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us along the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning within us when we were in the presence of this man? That was Jesus, the one who we had given up hope because he was dead, and now he's not dead. He died and is now undead, but not a zombie. He was, he was right here in his right mind, breaking bread and pointing to these ancient scriptures and opening our eyes to see things that we couldn't see before, but now we, we see, which tells us that the ultimate hope, friends, is in resurrection. 
that Jesus died, allowed himself to die, to beat death. And that resurrection changes everything. Acts 3.15 says, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. We saw him. We've interacted with him. There was no one at that time that was thinking that this was a possibility. It wasn't like they were sitting around watching football thinking, you know how Jesus died? This could go one of two ways. Like he could stay dead or I guess he could rise from the dead. That wasn't a conversation that was happening because resurrection wasn't a thing until Jesus did it. Like you and I talk about resurrection, and it's still intellectually really difficult for a lot of people to believe, understandably so. But in that day, it was, it was not even a conversation. It wasn't a topic that ever came up because Jesus hadn't done it yet. And so death was still the end of hope until it wasn't. And until the one who was killed on a cross and put in a tomb is back standing and walking around again. Until death had been overcome. He said, didn't, didn't our hearts burn within us when we were with this man? Some of you know exactly what that's like. Because intellectually, maybe you have some stumbling blocks and it didn't make sense, but all of a sudden something's burning inside of you and there's nothing you can do about it. You're like, I just believe this thing. I, I can't put it all together up here. I get stuck up here. There's some things that make sense and some things that don't. But all I can tell you is that my heart is burning inside of me. There must be something to this. I don't know if this is my spirit, soul, heart. I don't know what is happening, but I feel it, and it feels more real than anything that I've known before. My heart is burning, and my eyes are open because Jesus dealt death a trump card called resurrection and no longer is death the end of hope no more because Jesus overcame death because he allowed himself to be killed so that he could rise again and you know who was the most mad about this the evil empire, because the evil empire of Rome, because they took great pride in making dead the things that they wanted to be dead. They, they were specialists in death. They had PhDs in how to kill people. The, the cross was a symbol of, of death in that day because they had, they had gone to great lengths to figure out the best way to torture people and kill them. And, and you would hang on a cross in this day, and it would stretch your arms out, pull ligaments out, pull arms out of socket. It would, it would stretch you, but it would keep you alive long enough. Ultimately, you would suffocate because you couldn't breathe anymore. You couldn't press down on your feet anymore. But it was the most torturous way to die. And the Romans, they loved it. They loved it also because they put these crosses out on city streets and in places where everyone could see it as an example, as a stake in the ground, as if to say, this is what happens when you mess with the evil empire. We have you under control for a reason. Just fall in. The cross was a symbol that says, fall in for this evil empire. I brought a picture of, this is the cross in the, 
in the Colosseum. The Colosseum is the famous place of death, right, where people would fight and war and kill, kill each other for sport. And they put a cross right at the entrance of this Colosseum. It was an example, a statement of death. This was the, the trademark of the Roman Empire was the cross. Can you imagine if someone was just transported from that day into our setting right now and saw you wearing this torture chamber around your neck as jewelry? It would freak them out. Except for the fact that the cross is no longer a symbol of death as final, but death that can be overcome. That death is not the end. And Jesus took this cross and he turned it into a symbol of hope. The cross, friends, is a symbol of hope. And it's it's as if Jesus takes the cross, drives it as a stake in the ground, and makes sense of this strange thing that he taught us to pray, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's as if the cross is the intersection of then and now. It's as if the cross is the intersection of heaven and earth and driving this stake into the ground with his own life. It was like Jesus giving us a glimpse of the future come present. And he's driving this stake of the cross so that you and I can look back at this thing and not be in despair and think that death is the end, but have hope that death is no longer the end of hope. That Jesus overcame even death. And that means that you overcome death and that your loved ones that have gone before can overcome death. That death is still among us. It still happens. It's still real, but it's not the end of the story. And neither is disappointment and neither is divorce and neither is discouragement and neither is devastation. These things are not finality of hope anymore, but your hope can persevere even through death because Jesus dealt death, a death blow, and says, this is not the end of the story. So, whatever it is that you're enduring, let your hope, not your hurt, shape your future. Let your heart burn within you Because there's something more. It might be intellectually offensive on some level, but when your heart comes on fire, you just can't deny something is real here. Let your eyes be opened as God reveals to you a bigger plan and a bigger story than what anyone then anticipated and bigger than you anticipate now bigger than what you can see, bigger than just better. A hope that goes beyond better, that goes beyond even death. Because you can get through, you can endure, you can build character from the inside that leads you to hope. Despite what you're going through, 
despite the circumstances, despite the disappointments in life, you can have hope. And you can be happy, as the scripture says, even in the middle of suffering. Because death doesn't win. Not for you, not for the people that you love and care about. Not for the people in other parts of the world that are going through much more difficult things often than we go through here. Death doesn't win. Jesus is the hope. I want to create an opportunity this morning for you to drive a stake into the ground. Because the statement of hope is, I believe. It's simply to say, I, I believe this. I, I can't intellectually figure it all out, and, and I'm still going through discouraging, disappointing things, but somehow, some way, there's something burning in my chest, and I just believe it. And I, I don't know what to do about it, but I, but I just do. For some of you, your eyes have been increasingly opened over the past weeks and months. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do something about it. To do what we referred to last week as, as making this a spot, a place where you encounter Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus' resurrection means new life, not just for him, for you. It means that death is not the end of the story. It means that you can endure and persevere and have hope, no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, because Jesus made a way. He made a way. And so I want to, I want to take this moment and allow some of you to stand up and say, I believe, and do what the scripture says to openly declare that I have hope beyond better, that I believe that Jesus died and was rose from the dead for me, that I could have relationship with him. And even if you don't know all the Bible verses, and even if you've done really bad things in your past, that you can drive a stake in the ground knowing that this hope is for you just like for anybody else. So I want to invite you, if that's you, if, if maybe you have never openly declared your belief in this story, in this Jesus, I want to invite you to do so. I know that for some of us, you're sweating profusely, and I know that there have been times when I was younger where it was just like so sweaty and overwhelming and I wasn't sure I was bold enough to stand up. But, but I think it's important if you, would, if you would be so courageous to make this the day you drive a stake into the ground and say, I believe. I believe. If you've never done that or if you took a major detour in your life but you're back and you're like, okay, I get it now. My eyes are being opened, and there's just something burning in my chest that I can't deny, and I just got to do this. I want to invite you to stand and just simply say, I believe right now. Thank you, guys. Let's, let's 
hold our applause for a moment, and I feel like there's still a few people. If you've, if you've not yet made a declarative statement out loud or you, you're coming back and you just need this to be a special moment, we're here to support you, and then we'll clap for everybody again at the end, okay? Just stand up and say, I believe. Let's celebrate with our friends this morning. Here's the thing. Life doesn't get easier at this point. That's why disciples walked away back in the day. That's why people get confused and struggle now. It doesn't necessarily get easy, but now you can have hope that regardless of what circumstances come your way, regardless of anything that happens or goes wrong, that death is not the end. It's not the end. That's the good news. That's what Jesus did. That's what it's all about. It's not about religious mumbo jumbo and hoops and things to jump through and prayers that you have to recite perfectly and things you can and cannot do. It's this, it's this thing that has happened where Jesus drives a stake into the ground and he connects heaven and earth and says, earth is, or heaven is on its way here. It's coming. My will being done, it's coming. It's happening. Endure. Persevere. Have hope despite the circumstances. And you can have hope today. That's the good news of Jesus. And I'm so grateful that you guys were courageous, some of you. <clears throat> God, we are grateful for your incredible sacrifice to make a way for us that we can have hope in the middle of whatever kind of painful thing we're trying to endure. And we know that this hope will not disappoint us. We cling to your good news, God. And we invite all of us, we invite you to continue to open our eyes and continue to burn inside of us and give us the energy and the passion and the power and the strength to endure and to follow you and to make the most of the life that you have marked out and carved out for us, God. That's what we want because we believe. Amen. Would you guys stand with us and sing as we finish?